You wanted to see me, Miss Swinton? Have you been hearing about the new government modernization efforts? AI, RPAs, data science. Things are changing at this agency, and people will need new skills. Oh. I'd like you to get some training. Huh. Look at this management concepts catalog. Wow, over 275 courses. That's right, in local classrooms or instructor-led online classes. We still have budget in this fiscal year, so sign up online. Advance your career with courses from Management Concepts. Get a catalog at managementconcepts.com or call 833-578-8466. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everybody and welcome back. Thank you for joining me. As you hear tonight's episode, I will be camping in the Snowdonia National Park with a few of our BBR members, some listeners and some witnesses. As I sleep below the stars in the most beautiful part of Wales, I can't help thinking about the strange reports that I've taken from the area over the years. Our first report tonight is new to BBR. And it is north of the area where I will be camping. Let's look at the reports as they run north to south through the Welsh valleys and the hills. A smoky, transparent figure. Our witness report says, Hi Deb, I was in the forest in North Wales with my wife and our dog. It was late spring, 2022. Recently, I was just standing on the trail looking up and down the path. And I noticed something large that was roughly around five feet high. And it moved silently behind some bushes. I saw it in my peripheral vision and there was no one else around us anywhere. I'm usually out here alone and no people were around. I didn't recognise it as an animal or a human or nothing I'd normally see outside. And what was strange, as soon as I noticed the figure, my dog started whining. And he continued staring the way that the figure went. And he immediately backed up towards me, straight into my legs, which made me realise that we both definitely saw something, because he doesn't do that when he sees anyone. If I had to describe what I saw, I would say it looked like a smoky, transparent figure. And like I said, there was no sound at all as it moved. But the feeling of the area definitely changed after that figure appeared. I was going to go down to take a look, but my wife didn't want us to stay there. And after I told her what I'd seen and how the dog had acted, that was understandable. I will go back there again sometime to see if I can see anything. Thanks again, Deb. Take care. Now, I'm unsure if the figure that was witnessed is a spirit, energy, being, a creature. I really don't know. The Welsh Hills have a history of fairy-like creatures, ghostly figures werewolves and woodwoofs. 
one of the first mentions that I know of that might explain some of these encounters was a novel titled Welsh Folklore. And it's a collection of folk tales and legends from 1887. The book was written by Owen Elias. And it tells the tale of a man called Thomas Davis. In the area, there are a number, or at the time there were a number, of woodlands that dated back to primeval time. And those woodlands were undisturbed and they were left in their original condition, which meant that they were kind of overrun with a number of species. So the crown put out... um, a reward that if you came and you killed some of these animals, you would be given the money. So lots of people began to trap and hunt them. Thomas Davis was one of these trappers. So he's in the woods and he's looking for anywhere that he could see where the foxes has been and he finds a den. And he realises by the outside of the den that there are small fox clubs in there. And there's a tree right above that den and he decides to sit in the den and wait for the vixen to come out. And then he can get the vixen and all of the cubs and the purse that he would get for that would be much bigger. So he sat in the tree waiting for darkness to arrive. Now the woodland was close to the sea and it was an area on the cliffs where some vessels would come to grief on that part of the coastline. So Mr Davis is taking his seat and he's sitting opposite the fox's den when he starts to hear a horrible scream that's coming from the direction of the sea. And it's a long, drawn-out, ooh, kind of noise. So Mr Davis's attention is divided then between the fox den and the sea. But the sound's far off, so we just decided not to answer it, really. just ignored it. Didn't leave his seat on the tree. But the cry of anguish every now and now and again would, you know, make him tune back in. And it seemed to be approaching the area where Mr. Davis was sat. So sitting there, he listened to those awful sounds that were coming in intervals, but they were coming increasingly in his direction. Long, drawn-out wails with an ooh sound. Nothing he's ever heard before. And by this time, it's pitch black, so he can't see anything that's out there. And this ooh was only a few yards off by this time. And then they ceased. But that was worse than what was to come because a horrible sight was presented to the frightened man. He saw before him a nude being with eyes burning like fire and these glittering balls of fire were directed towards him. The awful being was only a dozen yards or so off now and it crouched and then it stood and then it crouched and then it stood. But never for a single instant did it take its eyes from the man. He would have fallen out of the tree, he said, if he hadn't held on to one of the boughs. Many times Mr Davis thought that his last moment had come, for it seemed that the owner of those fiery eyes was about to spring upon him, and he did not want it to do so. So he closed his eyes. He kind of gained some courage and thought of firing at the horrible being, but his courage failed him and he sat there motionless, not knowing what his end might be. He closed his eyes to avoid the gaze, which seemed to burn into him. But this was a short relief. About four o'clock in the morning, he heard a cock crow at Pembrine Farm. And at the moment that cock crowed, he opened his eyes and there was nothing there. Those balls of fire had gone. 
There was nothing before him. Distance between these two accounts is not very far at all. The distance in time is a couple of hundred years. Yet both men encountered a figure they could not describe in areas a short drive away along the coastal road. In our next report, we go inland to the rural areas, up in the hills, sheep country, just like my own. A strange little man dressed in green. Our witness is called George and he contacted me probably about four or five years ago now. Um, and he's often on YouTube and he says, I'd like to report a strange experience that happened some time ago now, Deb. I've never forgotten this incident and I'm really happy if you share it. I was with a few friends driving around North Wales about 5am. We were driving on the country lanes when right in front of us, a small man who stood about three feet tall appeared from a bush at the side of the road. He wasn't naked or hairy. He was wearing all green clothing and he was wearing a green hat on his head. In his hand, he was carrying a small golden harp and he just appeared out of the road out of the dense bushes that surrounded an open field. We all saw him, and as we drove past, we slowed down to check him out. He just casually crossed the road as we drove by, and then he disappeared into the bushes on the other side. Both of those bushes were hedges, and they all surrounded the empty fields. It was miles from anywhere, halfway up a very large, deep, hilly area I've never been to before. I still wanted to this day if we witnessed an actual gnome. If I had to describe him, I'd say he was basically wearing a kind of Robin Hood type suit, or like something Peter Pan would wear with that pointed hat. The harp was small, like it was made for him. It was perfect for his size. I only saw him for about 30 seconds, but we all saw him. What a magical sighting. I would have absolutely loved that. As we travel south, we pass many beautiful lakes and rivers, woodlands, countryside. Wales is an amazing place. If you've never been, I would suggest you visit. One of the lake features another report of a figure impossible to describe. And it's this report that's brought me to Wales. Our witness came out to Yorkshire last year and she met up with the team during summer. And I'd spoken to her about two years before that. She really did want to just come out and join us at camp. She's attending a family wedding this weekend, so unfortunately she couldn't join us. But she's happy for me to share. And she said, I love to visit Wales. I like to try and stay close to the National Trust Centre at Snowdonia because it's really quiet there. It's a very scenic area. There are very few people and I can go for a walk in all directions. There was one specific spot where I preferred to park until I saw something there early one morning. And now, park elsewhere. On that day, I parked in my chosen spot for the night, which is the lay-by, close to Linochwin. It was the 4th of October 2018. I parked my van, facing the mountain, directly opposite where you drive in from the A5 road. My front windscreen was facing the mountain, ironically where the no camping overnight sign is. The night this happened, there was a medium-sized white camper van parked in the top left of the car park facing my direction. And in the bottom right-hand corner, facing the road, was a red car. A standard five... 
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning. Or... Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Door hatchback. In total, there were only three vehicles, including mine parts, up that night. The weather was really bad. It was very stormy. The wind and the rain had been battering and shaking my van all night. And it got so bad and the rain so loud that I started to fear that the van may blow over. The gust was so strong. I woke up about 3.30, 5th of October now, unable to sleep with the noise of the wind and the rain. So I just laid there, hoping the wind would stop. I tried to go back to sleep, but it was useless. The weather was getting worse, not better. So I decided now, around 4.30am, to get up and to drive to Bangor, park up there somewhere safe for what remained of the night. I still had my pyjamas on, and I climbed over into the front driver's seat, and I watched the heavy rain roll down my window. It wasn't pitch black outside, there was a small amount of light and I could see the red car in the far right corner. And as I was looking at the red car, I saw movement. And what I can only describe as a large, tall, dark coloured figure. And it was standing near the rear passenger door on the driver's side of the car. And as soon as I saw it, I believe it also saw me because it turned and it began to run. And as it was running off, there was a flash of lightning and that lit up the whole car park and it showed the figure as a solid thing. I noticed that the top half of its body looked to be lighter in colour than the bottom and it ran towards the opposite edge of the car park, towards the mountain. This event all happened within seconds and I'm unsure at this point if it vanished into thin air or if it ran up the mountain as there's a small wire fence there. It's got barbed wire on it, so it either went over it or through it. I was so scared that I started up the engine and I just drove the hell out of there, all the while thinking, what the hell was that? What the hell was that? It took me weeks before I felt comfortable enough to revisit and to park in that area. I parked in the same spot twice over winter and both times I didn't feel comfortable. I sat scanning the mountainside for any movement or possible person shape 
thing before settling down each night. If I want to visit Snowdon, I now park at the light, lay by right next to the lake, along with the other vehicles that always park there at night. But even so, I still sit in the dark and I scan that area for any movement before settling down. I don't know what it is, but what I can tell you is I didn't see its face. It had a head, it had two arms and two legs, and it ran upright like a human, but it had a slightly hunched stance to it. The top half of its body was lighter in colour than the bottom half. It looked to be at least seven feet tall, but I cannot be 100% sure of that. It may have been taller, but I knew that its waist was almost as high as the roof of the car. It was standing really close to that car too. I have no idea what it could possibly have been. I've told two people since the event. One laughed at me and said, it must have been a shadow or your imagination because you've probably just been scared due to the dark and the weather conditions. And I pointed out that actually I wasn't scared of anything, a shadow or otherwise, until I saw that figure. And the other person laughed when I mentioned it and he had a stupid grin on his face when he said, you think it's Bigfoot, don't you? To which I said, no, it may have been a ghost or something else. I don't know what it was. I've told nobody else since because I can't deal with any more moronic comments. I recently went camping around Loch Ness and I found myself scanning the woods for anything unusual as I'm now nervous about being in the woods alone. Don't get me wrong, I still go for walks and I love it, but I keep my wits about me now just in case. On two separate laybys with dense woods at the side, I've noticed what could have been possible stick structures. So I've decided to stop there and I drive straight on now. One was near Aberdeen and the other's Cairngorms in Scotland. And as I said, I keep my wits about me now. When I'm out walking, I look for anything unusual or things out of place in the woods. I felt really sorry for this witness. Not sorry in a bad way, but empathy. It's awful when you absolutely enjoy the outdoors and then something like this happens and it kind of puts you off. It's almost like a version therapy. You've got to dip your toe in and, and kind of go back over and over again. And a lot of the witnesses I deal with um, have that similar emotion. Um, I'm recently talking to a gentleman at the moment, and it's in Wales, but it isn't in the Snowdonia Park. And he saw what you would describe as a werewolf. Um, and he's a nature lover. He loved being out there and he'd had an accident and he couldn't go out for a long time. Um, unfortunately, a friend took him in. And that's when it happened. And I will bring that to you in a, a, another report later on. But as of yet, I've not mentioned the many large cat reports that come in from all across Wales. And don't even get me started on the bear reports. Now, the habitat is ideal and the food sources and landmass are massive compared to other areas of the UK. So it should be of no surprise that when the cat sighting reports in Wales have come closer and closer to human habitation spots, more so than anywhere else in the country as a whole. In October of 2020, a gentleman named Jack Smith encountered a four-foot-long wildcat while he was out trekking. Jax was visiting from his hometown in Leeds, and he talked of how he was frozen to the spot when he realised a puma was watching him. Jax, who's 28, was hiking in the Snowdonia Mountains, when he noticed a cat measuring four feet in length, and that cat was following his movements. 
He was enjoying his sunrise trek, October 17th, and he'd stopped to have a drink and take off his jumper when he noticed something about 50 metres away. He said, I was at Cribgoch, I was about to set off again, and I saw its feet. I rotated my head torch so the light would spread over a wider area. I saw two yellow dots and the light reflected off its eyes. I knew it was not a marker as it moved its head and I could then make out its silhouette. It was three and a half feet tall, four feet long and the legs were about three to four inches thick. Jack soon realised that that cat was watching him. He said, I just froze. It was pitch black and I was on my own and I felt vulnerable if I'm honest. I started very slowly trekking backwards. I did not take my eyes off the animal. I was only 45 yards away from it at that point and it was still watching me. I turned and ran back to the car. After a minute, I got my laptop out and I searched for what I thought it could be and I'm pretty sure it was a puma. Jax did not take a picture of the animal, I did. I've got to say that having proof of my experience was not the first thing I was thinking about. For anyone who asks why I didn't take a picture, then I would like to see how they would have reacted if they were in my shoes. I was concentrating on moving slowly and doing as little in the way of movement as possible. I would say that I was a sceptic before, and you will never believe it till you see it for yourself, but there's no doubt in my mind what I saw. As breeding populations increase and areas of habitat decrease, I think we will see more and more wildcats coming closer to us humans. Back in the 70s, when the big release happened, it'd be the Cairngorms or the Brecon Beacons where you'd hear of a report. You get to the 90s, the 2000s, it was farmers, still way out there, but, you know, farmers, quite rural, that were reporting them. And hikers and wild campers and people like that, people out in the wilds. Now, we get reports in country parks, we get reports in back gardens, we all feed the birds in the UK. We're great with the wildlife and that wildlife is protein to a cat. And I honestly believe that they are losing their fear of us humans. I've taken a number of reports since COVID and this year where people have been walking dogs or riding horses and the cat that they see is not frightened of them in any way. It doesn't do the usual cat thing, which is to slink off. On some of these um, accounts, the cat actually approaches the dog walker and that behaviour is incredibly worrying. If they're losing their fear of humans and humans are coming into more and more contact with them, I think we're going to hear more and more reports like these. Now, I'm often asked where I get my sighting reports from and sometimes I'm accused of making them up and writing them myself. I don't mind that. Each witness I speak to knows I'm sharing their personal account. And if I'm honest, I can say hand on heart, I get sent so many reports and requests, I have hundreds that I have still not shared. And that's not an exaggeration. I have over 350 sitting in my drafts, just waiting to be read and shared. And you ask any podcaster who's worth their soul, and they will be the same. People do, once you share, people tend to open up and they share as well. So each report can dovetail into a number of other reports. Now, the reports from witnesses come from many places. The emails that are sent in or contact forms on the website. 
But we also have researchers that search forums, word of mouth. But I find that mostly when I tell people what I do in my spare time, rather than laugh, they actually open up about something that's happened to them. And each person I speak to usually has an experience of something supernatural, otherworldly or paranormal. Now, this sighting report came in to uh, one of the group members and he was chatting with a TV researcher at the time. And the report came in from Tam in June of 2016, but it actually happened in Snowdonia in 2006. And Tam said, I've been selected to appear on a well-known television game show in the UK. And one of the researchers rung me for a general chat. And she was asking questions for some background bio on me and my hobbies. And I mentioned that I'm into Bigfoot and cryptids. And you could hear in her voice that this lady thought it was a bit of a joke. And she asked me to explain it in more detail and what it entailed. And as researchers, what we were looking for. So I was telling her all about the different sightings accounts and the creatures descriptions. And when I mentioned some of the accounts that had come in where people had seen Bigfoot and wild men. And I also mentioned some of the dogman accounts. And it was at this point the line went silent. And Tom said, I thought I'd been cut off or that I'd scared her off completely. But she was still there on the line when I asked. When she finally spoke, her voice had changed and you could hear that she was a little bit shook up. And she said that she'd been trekking in the area around Mount Snowden 10 years prior. And she'd seen a large figure just standing there watching her. The lady I was chatting with described the creature she saw in her own words as, it was over six feet tall and it was standing up on two legs. And it was a man, but he looked like a dog. And when he saw me watching, he leapt over a fence from a standing start and just disappeared. He didn't run and jump. He just leapt over the fence in one movement. Tam said she hadn't told anybody about the hairy man in 10 years, just in case they laughed at her. I think she was both shocked and relieved when I explained I myself had seen a number of strange creatures. And when I saw them, they were walking on all fours, coming down the side of the embankment. Now there is a very small cave in Wales known as the Wildman's Cave. And the report about it was found in a book by Nick Redfern, who's a very well-known cryptozoologist. And the story is told by Ol Lewis, who shared a legend that villagers in Nantwinant have told in hushed tones about a dark and mysterious cave in the Old Valley that is said to be the abode of the hairy man. Now, villagers and shepherds in the area were plagued by a silent and stealthy thief who would break into their homes under the cover of darkness on a regular basis. Those same villagers and shepherds would awaken to find that their goats and cows had been inexplicably milked. Much needed food was stolen and a number of sheep were taken during the night, never to be seen again. Their unfortunate fate sealed, it would seem. The carnage and thievery went on for some years and every time anyone laid a trap for a thief, it never took the bait. What was this nightmarish beast said to have been roaming the densely treed ancient valley? The villagers said it was a creature of undeniably primitive proportions and terrifying in appearance. I think they mean it was Neanderthal-like. One that seemed intent on tormenting the people wherever and however possible. One day a shepherd was returning from the mountains later than usual. 
when he spotted something strange. A huge, burly, naked man that was covered from head to toe in thick red fur and it was resting on a neighbouring hill. Now the shepherd suspected that this out of place and strangely hairy giant might be the thief that was plaguing the village. So the shepherd snuck past the man without being detected, ran back to the village as soon as he was out of sight. The man persuaded all of the available menfolk of the village to join him in a quest to once and for all rid the area of the creature. The hysterical posse charged up the green hill and towards the wild man with a crude homemade display of weapons in hand, while simultaneously screaming at him at the top of their lungs. Not surprisingly, alerted the hairy man to their presence, and he shot off. The mighty beast shot away on all fours with the skill and precision of a deer. A close and careful watch of the hill and its immediate surroundings was made from that day. In the event that the man-beast might return to once again wreak havoc, barely a few days passed before the menacing entity returned to both feed ferociously and spread fear and chaos across the immediate land. This time, however, the villagers took a new and novel approach to tackling their quarry. The plan was to let loose a pack of vicious hounds upon the animal in the hopes that the dogs would succeed where the men had failed. Unfortunately, this action proved utterly fruitless too. As soon as it caught wind of the scent of the hounds, the hairy thing was gone, once again bounding away in almost graceful fashion as it made its successful escape. Over and over it escaped them, easily, and it left the snarling dogs far, far behind. One man came up with the idea of consulting a magician or a soothsayer, and the soothsayer told the villagers to find a red-haired greyhound without a single hair of a different colour, and this animal would be able to catch the man. After much searching and bartering within local towns and villages, the people found a dog that fitted the bill and proudly took him home. When the villagers next saw the hairy man, they were redder. He got out the red greyhound and it was set loose to catch the hairy man. The hairy man escaped again by leaping down a small cliff. So, it fell upon one woman of the village to come up with a plan of attack to rid the area of this terrifying beast. In a time where animals were life and death to a village, the losses were really felt hard. One woman was so angered by her frequent losses she decided to stay up every night and hide herself in the front room of a farmhouse and she would wait for the hairy man to pay a visit. And sure enough, after a few weeks, the hairy man did pay a visit and he paid a visit to the wrong house and that lady was waiting with a hatchet. She remained hidden until the man had squeezed his bulky frame halfway through the window before she struck the hairy man with a hatchet and the unexpected blow cleaved off the hairy man's hand in one blow, and he recoiled back out the window before the woman could smite him again with another whack. Now that brave woman dashed out of her door, hatchet in hand, ready to finish that man off. But by the time she'd gotten outside, he had fled. The wretched terror that had descended upon Nant Gwynant had finally reached its end, much to the overwhelming relief of the entire neighbourhood. When the village awoke the next day, and the men learned what had happened, 
they followed the trail of blood that the hairy man had left behind to a cave beneath the waterfall. And as the big hairy man was never seen again, it was assumed by the villagers that he died in the cave. So the cave was named the Cave of the Hairy Man. This tale reminds me of the story of the wild man of the Derbyshire Peaks. He too was seen by several villagers and managed to escape every pursuer who tries to catch him. He left the area as it was presumed he was no longer seen by the villagers, although it is said that the light from his fires at night could be seen high up in the peaks. Our next report is from another farmer who believes that one animal he thinks is a puma has taken 10 of his sheep. Now the farmer says he's found his sheep with distinctive puncture wounds to their necks on his land near Gwynedd. And the mystery creature has often returned to claim its prey. Not wanting to reveal the location for fear of people taking guns or dogs to the remote countryside, he said, Since I took my sheep to the ground in July, I've had about 10 sheep killed. They've all been killed with a single bite to the back of the neck. He said, I went there on Sunday. I found three Welsh black sheep, which are pretty quick and lively. You wouldn't catch them. They'd been driven into a corner. And the three had been killed with a single bite. I've been farmed all my life. I've seen dog attacks. And it's not an ordinary dog doing this. I've seen badger attacks where they've been taking a baby lamb. I've not seen anything like this before. Whatever is doing this is strange. As it kills them and only eats half of it. And if I find it and I don't move the carcass, this creature will come back a second or third time. And it'll eat a portion of it. I haven't seen it myself. But one of my neighbours back in August was walking up the road and he saw a big cat, about three times the size of a domestic cat, and that was light brown in colour, and it was jumping over the wall. I mean, it could stay hidden. There's a lot of woodland, a lot of tall grass and fern. He said you could walk past it and not see it. The farmer added that one of his neighbours has a large tuck ram that was killed and the carcass was left on the land and was gone the next day. The animals seen and the nature of the killing sounds exactly like those reported around Nantmore back in 2015 when multiple farmers reported losing sheep and one resident reported seeing a mother puma with two cubs in a paddock. Now the latest sightings are in a particular remote area in an isolated valley with plenty of woodland, easy access to some of Snowtonia's most untouched lands. Sightings in this area have been on the increase since 2015 and unfortunately there were no official response or investigations into the series of killings. So there's little livestock owners can do other than to try and make the fields as secure as possible and hope this at least serves as some deterrent. I mean I wonder just how long this creature's been around as the reports of strange beasts go back a very long way in this part of Wales. In the 19th century, a wolfman was spotted close to the village by one Miss St. Dennis, who was an artist and she was staying at a farm there. And there was one occasion when she was painting and she noticed the figure of a man sitting on one of the nearby railway tracks and he was staring at her intently. And she felt surprised at this as the station was hardly used. And this was the first time she'd ever seen a soul there in the evening apart from the station master, who'd already left for home. Miss St. Dennis began to feel uneasy as the man continued to stare at her, and she deliberately coughed 
but he didn't react. A second cough also failed to bring any reaction, so she then called out, Can you tell me the time, please? But the figure still did not respond. At this juncture, the account takes on an ever more sinister turn as Miss St. Dennis decided to pack her things up and just make her way out of the station. Glancing back, she was horrified to see that the man was now following her and she quickened her pace and started to whistle in order to appear unconcerned. And it was now twilight and the path had taken her to a remote spot that was surrounded by cliffs and disused quarries. Realising that a cry for help would go unheard, she decided to confront her stalker. She spun around and said, what do you want? How dare you? And he didn't respond. And as he drew nearer, she was now able to see him clearly as the last rays of sunlight fell on the path. And he was not a man. He was not a man at all. He was a thing. And the thing it appeared to be covered in grey hair. And although he was human in form, he had a wolf's head. And it sprang forward with a look of ferocity on its face. And the terrified woman quickly grabbed her torch from her pocket and she shone it at the beast. And this thing shrank back and its paws began trying to hide the light from its face and it then faded away, leaving her alone in the darkness. Now the shaken but unhurt Miss St. Dennis asked locals for an explanation, but they had no real explanation for her. Only the rumours of the missing cattle and a collection of bones, some human and some animal, that had been discovered in a slate quarry near to where the wolfman had vanished. Nearby residents still shun the area after dark, as it has a bad reputation. Now, I cannot visit this area of Wales without talking about the case that was dubbed the Welsh Roswell. In 1974, there was a huge bang and tremor that was seen and felt all over the Berwyn Mountains in Wales. And there were later claims that a spaceship had crashed and that that crash had been concealed and covered up. The incident was reported and a search and rescue team was scrambled for Marea Fale on Anglesey, but found no wreckage on the mountainside. The Ministry of Defence investigation found that there were five other reports of the UFO seen over the UK at 10pm on the 23rd of January 1974, when the Berwyn Mountains incident happened. All of the witnesses reported seeing a bright light in the northwest, which seemed to fall towards the horizon. An expert who undertook independent research into the Berwyn Mountains incident for the British Astronomical Society reported that a fireball was visible over most of the UK that night. Sightings were received from Somerset, Norfolk, Manchester and Edinburgh. Um, so the file notes said that the fireball descended from about 120 kilometres in the sky to about 35 kilometres before disintegrating over Manchester. The case files on the incident also include a letter from one local who wrote that they saw something that came down in the Berwyn Mountains on that night in question. And he is certain of that, he said. It is certain to the minds of both myself and my friends who were with me that we were visited by an object that evening. UFO investigators reported that aliens crash-landed in the Birmingham Mountains and their bodies were transported by the Military of Defence to top-secret Wiltshire research base Porton Down. 
What people have seen and reported simply not could not have been made up, retired North Wales Police Assistant Chief Constable Elford Roberts said. He was a sergeant at the time of the UFO incident and he was rushing with his superior when they too saw the mysterious lights and he said, as we were driving, all of a sudden, we saw this green light in the sky ahead of us and it seemed to be an arching light, but it was very sudden, totally unexpected and different to anything else I've ever seen before. I have Welsh ancestors on both sides of my family, so as I go to sleep tonight in the land of my forefathers, I hope I don't experience anything that's strange and impossible, but you just never know. Thank you very much for tuning in tonight. I really do appreciate your support. And to our regulars who tune in every week, I cannot be more grateful. And to our newcomers, welcome. I hope to see you next week. And to my members and patrons, we couldn't do it without you. Have a wonderful weekend. Good night, everyone. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.